thank you, thank you, thank you. I have to say thank you to each and every person that listened to episode one of Untitled, each and every person that sent me a message, positive feedback, retweet, a share on Facebook, a personal text message, a download. Thank you. Like for real, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you and the things that you've said are inspiring and they motivate me. So many people reached out to me saying how inspired they were and how motivated they were and how they felt like they needed to take notes. They were getting schooled, ready for uh, for the professor to walk in. Um, it's inspiring for me to, to get that type of feedback. And I don't know what the hell people want to listen to. Everything in this space is strategy, 24-7. Strategy, strategy, strategy. Buy, sell, buy, sell. What to do, what to trade for. This player take is crappy. What prospect? Trade for this. And I think within the space that we operate, one of the biggest components that is missing in fantasy, in my opinion, one of, one of the biggest components, should be one of the more important components, but it's not a model, it's not a tool, it's not a spreadsheet, it's not film. It's just understanding and talking about the game. That's it, the game. Football, you know? The actual game. Teams, players. Just theory around the game. It's critical context that I think is missing. I, I think it's missing. I spent all episode one preaching about process, process, process. Now I'm going to tell you to forget all that. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Don't forget process. You got to have a process. You have to have a process. You have to be committed to that process, but there's still context that must be applied in order to get the best out of the process, right? If you want to buy a house, you're going to save up. You got to be committed to that, right? Getting your credit score right. Making sure you got money for the down payment. Making sure you got money away for closing costs. Make sure you got money to furnish the house. There's a commitment to putting yourself in position to get what you want, to purchase that home. But you ain't going to just purchase any old home. You got some personal preferences. You know what you like. You know you want that five-bedroom. You know you want that three-car garage. You know you want the movie room. You know you want a big lot. So you still have inside of that process some sort of bias, some sort of opinion, some sort of way to differentiate which home you want to buy. You can still be committed to the process and make sure you follow the steps, but you got to know what you're looking for once you get there. You're going to have to feel it. You're going to have to you're going to have to be able to touch it, right? You're going to have to be able to figure out, like, is this going to work for me? Is this style of house going to work for me? And I think, just as I've been just thinking about things as I, I do quite often, there's not enough of that. There's not enough conversation around the game. What I see nine out of ten times are some key buzzwords get used. Oh, that, that that team that team can't be good next year. Can't be as good. They're due for regression. Or that team can't be as bad. Or that player can't be as bad. He's gonna see some positive regression. That last year was just an outlier year. You know, no real substance. No real. No why? How? If you think Tony Pollard's gonna be an RB one, how? What does that look like? Now that the grinder back in Ezekiel Elliott is gone, what does that look like for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren? What does this look like for Travis Etienne? Right? No one talks about the game, man. I miss it. I miss it because I love football. I love football. I love it. I love it. I love football. Fantasy is dope. It's fun. I enjoy it. But I enjoy fantasy football because I love the game of football. I don't play fantasy baseball. I don't play fantasy basketball. I don't play 
fantasy soccer or track or whatever the hell else they have. Hell, I don't even like college fantasy. Shit, I just want to watch the college game. I don't even want to play that. Out of all C2C leagues, except like two. But in those two, my NFL teams are juggernaut. So it's back to, I love football, right? I just like football more so than this love for fantasy. And as I look for content to consume, I find myself more drawn to just NFL talk. Like I want to be in tune with what's happening inside the game. Right? I want to be in tune with what's happening in high school. I pay attention. I love high school football. It's awesome. As I've not watched high school football, go out there, go to a high school game. The energy, the atmosphere, the cowbells, it's it's high school football. In Texas, it's it's a different animal, but hell, wherever you're at, college ball, best sport, college football. If I can only watch one thing for the rest of my life, college football, NFL, be college football. Not even close. Give me Saturdays over Sundays. Sundays, I could just check the, the box score. I'm just looking for, you know, fantasy you're trying to see what's going down which I've stopped doing stop doing that I last year was the first year I did not really check fantasy scores throughout the game much much better experience playing fantasy football not checking every five minutes but I love the game and I just want to talk about football sometimes so hopefully as this show progresses what the vibe that I want you to feel I don't want you to come into this thing thinking I'm going to preach to you and give you a damn sermon Every single Saturday. Because you don't need it. And I don't want to do that. What I want you to feel is some sort of closeness to me. Right? That that we don't get on a daily basis. The only people that I... That, that follow my content. That support me. That I'm really sort of engaged with on a daily basis. Multiple times a day. Is the Heisman Group inside of Destination Devi. Because they pay for that access. Right? They pay for that closeness to myself, to Jay Rich, to Scott Connor. It's a different experience, right? But hopefully when you listen to the show, even if you're not in the Patreon, even if you don't pay for it, even if you're just a fan of this, and we got people from all over the freaking world that listen to DD. It's crazy. Crazy the messages I get from people all over the world. India, Nova Scotia, Brazil, all over the place. I'm like, how the hell did you... Pack it. How did you find me? How did you find Destination Debbie? It's a beautiful thing. But I want you to feel like we're just chilling on the front porch, talking, right? What the hell do you think? What do you think? I hope it, I hope it feels like that. Just a conversation, not something that you need a notebook, that you have to be tuned into or at your computer looking at a spreadsheet, just talking about the game of ball. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I feel like if more people just kind of paid attention to the changes on both sides of the ball, right, offensively and defensively, it may make you go into your scouting process or your evaluation process or your roster assessment process with a little clearer view, right? If you understand what a Brian Schottenheimer brings to the table opposed to a Kellen Moore or Conversely, what Kellen Moore brings to the table for the Los Angeles Chargers. Maybe you get a little more enthusiastic about some of the ancillary pieces that you didn't want anything to do with before. But, you know, it's it's still a gamble. It's still a bet. It's still an educated guess. But at least it's a little more informed, right? And it's fun to dive into that, to understand schemes and what teams may do going into a matchup. So you can say something a little more uh, thoughtful than just, oh, the team or the players do for regression. Or they'll, they'll see some positive regression, however the hell you say it, the key buzzwords. I think having that combined with data, so some theory combined with some fact, something objective combined with something subjective, when you blend those two together... And you probably get the clearest picture of all, right? You followed the process, you've got the money, you're ready to buy the house, and now you've got a little more context to apply to figure out which one you want to take, right? Which one you want to get, which player you want to invest in. Because you may believe in a scheme, you may believe in this change, 
Or you may say, this is not good. This probably will not end well. Again, small margins, small little edges, but that's what the game is. At the core of what we do, it's it's watching the game of football. I want to know how many people that play fantasy, I'm curious, how many people actually really like football or is it the is it the gamesmanship that they like? Is it just the game? I mean, because that's all fantasy is, right? It's a proxy for a game. Just a fucking game. Just don't have a controller and it's not like plugged in. But it's just a game. So I wonder how many people just truly love the game of football versus the game of fantasy. And it's no it's no shade either way to each his own. It doesn't matter. I'm just curious because I think that sort of shapes how people approach it, right? And how people interpret or consume or interpret what they consume from different sources. Maybe it's through that lens. Maybe it's through the... I don't care about the game. All I care about is, is is the data and the proxy for the game, which is fantasy. Maybe you have somebody that does take some of that stuff into consideration. My man, Matt Bruning, talks about it all the time from a collegiate perspective, right? Got to see how this, how this kid's going to perform with this offensive coordinator change. Historically, this coach is terrible for running quarterbacks or whatever the case may be. But that shapes his direction in fantasy, and neither one is right. One is better than the other, but I think just having an understanding of the lenses in which different creators operate is important for you, the consumer, right? When you listen to me, you're going to know it's going to come from a place of, you know, well, now it's kind of 50-50 because there's a lot of data in what I do now, but I will never ever abandon the context of the game what i see that's why i like to watch film that's why i like to break it down james cook film session coming out today at noon make sure you check that out because i just like to have the context when i'm when i'm sitting there in a draft or an auction and all things considered are equal you still have to make a decision a or b one or two this or that and i want just if it's that one film session that I watched six games of this kid never breaking a tackle versus six games of the other guy, maybe not being as sexy as the name, but what I clearly feel is a better runner. Maybe I'll just go with that guy. If all things are considered, you know, all things equal up to that point. So I'll never give up, give it up because I do think that that context provides just another lens for us to evaluate, to scout, to analyze, to make decisions, and to play the game. It's fun, right? But I want that feel. I want that vibe. I want you to sit back and feel like we are doing just that, just shooting the shit, talking ball, talking fantasy, talking whatever. And one of the things that, um, you know, I wanted to dive into uh, today is something that I saw from Dane Brugler yesterday or the day before. It was his early 2024 running back rankings. I don't know if you guys have seen it or I know we kind of talked about it in our group the other day. But it's interesting because in the Debbie space, in the C2C space, we think we're the smartest people in the world, right? We just know, right? Because we've been watching these guys for a long time, and we know who's going to be the top-rated players in, in, in next year's class and the year's cl- draft class after that, yada, yada, yada. But as I'm looking through this these running back rankings for Dane, I was quickly reminded at how every single year, we think we know going into the season what the final results are going to be, the final rankings. We know that these guys are going to be ranked one, two, three, four at their position. And every single year, a player out of nowhere rises to the top, right, that we never saw coming. And the guy that we love falls down, that Kyron Williams tumbles down, Zach Evans damn near tumbles down, gets undrafted. Dwayne McBride, once thought to be the second best running back in the class, damn near undrafted, and so on and so forth. Happens every single year. 
And as we approach the 2024 cycle, there are a lot of people right now, my man Damian Parson and a lot of people saying this class is good. Very good. I saw Jordan Reed talking about the offensive tackle position could be special from this class, just special. Defensively, you got studs, D-line, linebacking core, secondary. It's a damn good class. And we're coming off of a year where I think we thought the 23 running back class was going to be crazy good, right? We were thinking we're going to have all kinds of players in this class, just running backs galore, all kinds of day two picks and potential sneaky first and second round running backs. Remember, remember a time, there was a time when old Blake Corm was supposed to be in the class and you know, nobody was talking about Kendra Miller coming in the season. Are you kidding me? Kendra? Nobody. Nobody. Then we get through the season and Quorum gets hurt, goes back to school. Kendra Miller ascends and all these other players that we like, the Zach Evans of the world, Sean Tucker's, Dwayne McBride, Israel Abanacanda, Chase Brown, they all fall, plummet, fifth round, sixth round. Now, Stetson Bennett getting picked before those guys. No one saw that stuff coming, right? So we get to 2024, and I think we all kind of at least fairly reasonably assume that the blue chip players, rookies from the 2024 class, as we look at it early right now, say four. There are four blue chip players in the 2024 class. Two quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, a tight end in Brock Bowers, and a wide receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. Those are the three, those are the four guaranteed. And you know what? It should be those four, right? But I'm just I'm playing playing devil's advocate. It's the lawyer in me. It's probably really like three. It's probably Caleb Marvin Bowers. Like if I had to bet a million dollars, like those are going to be the three premiumist assets. That's not even a word, but that's what they're going to be. The premiumist assets in 2024 would be those three. Drake May should be there, but, but, right? I can tell myself a story in which things don't get off to a good start. He struggles a little bit. Maybe Quinn Ewers looks really good. Michael Penix. Uh, these other names out there, maybe they look really good, right? I can tell myself a story. Caleb, I think he can miss the whole year, and he's still going to be a top-five pick. Marvin Harrison Jr. could not play this year, and he'll be the number three overall pick. Brock Bowers, probably the same way. So you got three to four premium assets in 2024. None of those players are running backs. And in a lot of startups that I've done where you can acquire Debbie assets, you can you can... You know, draft 24 guys early. Right now, it seems to be a, a stranglehold over the top two spots with Raheem Sanders out of Arkansas and Travion Henderson from Ohio State. And while this is only one early opinion, I respect Dane Brugler, man. Dane does a good job, puts out a very big publication every single year, puts a lot of work into that, a lot of hours, a lot of hours for Dane to put that beast together. So when he drops a list, I respect it. I take it in. I, I take it in for what it is, right? It is a 2024 running back list in July of 2023. That's what it is, right? So in the grand scheme of what this is worth is little to probably nothing as far as the outcome of the 2024 draft. But it's interesting to see how people perceive some of these players today. So I'm going to give you Danes. Top 10 running backs right now, and I'm not going to dive into it. You need to go subscribe to The Athletic and, and read it yourself, all right? But let's start with um, let's, let's start with his top 10 draft-eligible underclassmen, okay? Just the guys that are not seniors, underclassmen, redshirt sophomores, juniors, whatever they are. Been out of high school for three years. I'm going to just give you the five. I'm going to just give you the top five. I'm not going to give you the top 10. I'm going to give you the top five. At five, we have Will Shipley out of Clemson. 
At four, we've got Travion Henderson from Ohio State. At three, Trey Benson, Florida State. Big Trey Benson fan here. At two, we have Donovan Edwards, the running back out of Michigan. Loving the Donovan Edwards hype right now. And number one, preseason, top 10 eligible draft underclassmen running backs, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. All right? His number one senior eligible running back in 2024 is Blake Corum. Jace McClellan out of Alabama is third. Really like uh, McClellan. Really like McClellan. But when we get to his sort of uh, combined list, right? His combined list, and this is early. Blake Corum, number one for him. Number one, 5'7", 219 pounds, 4'5", 40, Blake Horm, number one. All right? Number two, he's got Braylon Allen. At three, he has Donovan Edwards. At four, he's got Trey Benson. And at five, he's got Travion Henderson. So put Blake Horm at the top of this list. All right? No Raheem Sanders. No Rocket Sanders. No Rocket Sanders. No Bucky Irving. No Carson Steele. Mayan Williams. Ramon Davis. Kendall Milton. And it's early, but right now, everybody is so sure that Rocket Sanders is the RB1 in the class. And I love Rocket Sanders. For me, it's him and it's him and Hendo right at the top. That's how I would have him right now. I like Braylon Allen. I'm a big Benson fan. Donovan Edwards is dope. Still need to still need to see about Will Shipley. And I love Blake Horm, right? Just kind of small, maybe not as athletic as some of the other guys. But the point of going through this is maybe, just maybe, maybe going into the season, the NFL, from what Dane's heard, or maybe these are just his opinions, are are not as high on Rocket Sanders as maybe we are in the community. And that happens a lot. We do that shit all the time. David Bell pumped him up to the high heavens. He's a day three pick or whatever he was. Tyler Johnson was a fifth round pick. LaVisca Chenault has been... T- we do this all the time. We pump up players and just hang on to them for, for, for no matter what. No matter if the NFL tells us they're, they're bad or not, we're just going to hang on. Doesn't matter. That's how we do in fantasy. So I'm not, I'm not up here uh, spewing Rocket Sanders propaganda to the, to the negative... I say all this to say, this is why it's important. We got a new Debbie show that's dropping on the channel in, in, in August. Website's coming soon. Jordan Beck is going to be doing a lot of stuff, uh, collegiate-based with analytics. This is why you got to pay attention to these things, right? Pay attention to the, the peaks and valleys of value shifts throughout the season. And I know a lot of people, it's it's... For some, it's kind of like, really? You don't watch both? But there's a lot of people that don't watch college football. A lot of people. Right? We get on Wake Up and we talk through some of these players and so many times people are like, man, I never heard of that guy. Thank you for bringing him up. A lot of people who don't have the time, that don't that don't have some connection to some Power 5 school or whatever to, to sit and I can give up your entire Saturday to watch college football. So... You may have somebody. Let's just say this is how the NFL views these guys as we get to December that's not as tapped in and they've got Raheem Sanders on a roster. Are they thinking that's what they want to do? Like you can capitalize in certain leagues with your draft picks, with players, by paying attention, right? Staying tapped in. You don't have to watch every game. We've got people that do that for you. Stay tapped in. Be a part of communities. Get engaged. Learn a little bit about the college game. Understand the value of your picks. Understand what you're trading away when you're sending away that 25 first because people are doing that now. Sleeper allows you to do it. People trading them away like hotcakes. I'm telling you right now, the next elite running back is not in 2024. It's in the 2025 class. It's Nick Singleton. That's the When you're talking about the Bijan John, Johnson, Johnson, Bijan Johnson, Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robinson level of, you know, prospect, 
And it's crazy, right? Because Bijan's the greatest we've ever seen ever in the history of the game, says some people. No one's ever been better, right? Then Nick Singleton's going to come along in two years, and people are going to be like, oh, my God. This guy's the best since it's going to happen again. We do this shit all the time. But the next elite-level prospect at the running back position does not crack the NFL atmosphere until 2025. Nick Singleton is going to be a dog. He is the next elite one. So as I'm thinking about the 24 class today, today, right now, and I know, I know my dog JB has been preaching Get as many 24 firsts as you possibly can right now. Get as many as you can, right? Scott talks about the leverage, having the, the, the flexibility with those draft picks. Everybody's preaching that, right? And I think you should, right? You need as many, as many cracks at the apple as you can get. Right? You need as many darts as possible. But just be mindful that what we think or perceive to be the list today, the only certainty is probably that this thing is going to look much different come March, come February of 2024. So don't be so attached to the name, right? Don't be so attached to or have that take lock that you have to have rock. You don't give a damn what the NFL says. I'm drafting, I'm drafting this player. And I'm not going to keep using Rocket Sanders because I don't, when it's all said and done, I do think he's going to, Inches way up to the top. And Arkansas has a good pedigree in history putting running backs in the league, right? Peyton Hillis, Felix Jones, Darren McFadden. They've, they've done a good job. So SEC, tough schedule. I think he's going to put himself, put himself on the map. And he's got great size. 6'2", 236 is what Brugler has him in at. Goodness. Mayan Williams, 5'8", 234. Bowling ball. Wow. But I think Rocket to get up there. But the point is... What we saw people do in 2023, the biggest mistake that I saw people do was just be dug into a name and completely disregard draft. Everything that we preach about, everything that we talk about, oh, follow the draft capital. If, if a running back is selected here, the hit rate is this. If a receiver is selected this late, the hit rate is that. But when it's somebody that people are so just t- dug into and committed to, we find a way to make excuses, tell ourselves a story, and we continue to pump up bad assets. Right? I can, you could can love a guy all you want. I love him. But if, right? But if he get, falls to the sixth round or the seventh round or goes undrafted, I can love him from a distance, but I just don't have the time to roster him. Right? I said this on episode one. What are you holding them for? What are you holding them for? Because you're going to train them and get them right, and eventually you'll be able to deploy them in your start 10 lineup league. What are you doing? Right? It's okay. Damn it. You like the player. They got drafted in the sixth round. I'll let somebody else, I'll let somebody else overdraft you in rookie drafts. It was a big, a big mistake that people made this year, and we passed that off as, well, everyone's going late. Well, Jalen Hyatt was supposed to be a first-rounder, but he goes in the third. Will Levis was supposed to be a top-ten pick. He falls to the second. Zach Evans should have been a second-rounder, and instead, somebody that no one was talking about, damn, Kendra Miller, third-round pick. Tajay Spears getting picked before those guys, right? Again, names that were not the common name going into the season. I want to see a a preseason 2022-2023 running back list that had Tajay Spears as a top 10 back, top 15. Find me that one. Somebody, You find me that list, and you don't create it on Excel. You DM it to Destination Devi Twitter account, at Destination Devi. You find me that list, I'll give you a, a free sub to the Discord. Find that list. I want to see it. Tajay Spears, top 10. No one had it. Shit, people didn't even think Zach Charbonnet would be a day two pick. So get excited, right? Be excited. Collect these assets. But don't get so tied into play. I'm trying this year to not be so dug in on a guy and look for archetypes. Look for pathways. I want to find pathways to opportunity, pathways for draft capital. Like I'm, I'm, I'm changing the approach, not what I look at, 
because as, as a receiver, you still need to do the basic things required at the position. Get off the line of scrimmage, recognize coverages, catch the ball, be aggressive after the catch, make contested grabs, come up clutch, command the market share. Like You still have to do those things, no doubt about it. But if I can be committed to an archetype, committed to a pathway, I think it I think it I think it can open up open up options, open up opportunities to to trade, to exploit. You know, two two immediate examples that I think of that came out of nowhere again this year, but the opportunity in the pathway happened in February where two players, one who was selected pretty damn high in the NFL draft, another one that was selected much higher than anybody thought going into the process. But I'm talking about Jonathan Mingo, and I'm talking about Jaden Reed. Hell, you can throw Michael Wilson into that for for that matter. But I use Reed and Mingo because they were both second-round picks in the NFL draft. And that pathway for opportunity sort of opened up at the Senior Bowl, right? They, the enthusiasm, and, and, and it's difficult to discern how much of that is real from fake, right? How much of it is, is coach speak and how much of it is, is some actual validity to the fact that these players are viewed highly in NFL circles. And, and ultimately, none of us truly know, but what we should not have said, and I, and I told Jay Rich this because he was big, big Mingo guy, after the senior bowl that I apologized because I completely wrote, wrote him off. Cause I knew better. Nah, man, Mingo stinks. Can't stay healthy. Been at Ole Miss. Nope, nope, nope. Don't want to hear it. And all he did at the senior bowl was dominate. I mean, he, he w- is huge in person. I thought he was a tight end. No joke. I was like, this dude is huge. Jonathan Mingo, massive, right? Fast making plays, everybody oohing and on, you know, I didn't even I didn't even open my mind up to think that that was a possibility that Jonathan Mingo could be selected damn near at the what was he picked 39, 41, something like that. Top half of the second round, top 40 pick, top 50 pick. Did not see that coming. Jaden Reed, another one of those guys that liked him, but I don't think many people really thought that Jaden Reed would put himself in a, in a category or a bucket to be a relevant player for fantasy, like him or not. The capital that he got, Reed, is a, is a, is a top 50 pick, damn near. I think he was 51. He's probably going to get some opportunity, which means he matters. Right? So I may have liked that Tank Dell a lot more because his routes were crisper, or I may have liked uh, Grant DuBose or whomever it was. But the NFL, right, the pathway... I just ignored it for, from certain players. And being open-minded, being able to view something. I had this conversation with a young content creator yesterday. We did a show, a uh, young and upcoming guy. Shout out to my man, Andrew, man. Subscriber, Destination Debbie. He's got his own show, too. Good dude. But I was a, I was a guest on his pod. And we were talking through some trades and... You know, we, we, we disagreed on the potential outcome of a player. And all I told him is, don't be so quick to be dismissive of the other side, right? Because if there's a world in which you think player A can succeed and is going to excel, right, be a difference maker, There has to be another side of that where the player does not meet those expectations and falls somewhere below. Doesn't mean it has to be the basement or the floor. Doesn't mean it has to be doom and gloom. But I always, always, always try to look at something from both sides of the fence, right? Just just to have that clear-eyed view, to have that perspective. So as we approach this 24 season in college, as we approach... This 23 season, uh, this 24 draft cycle, and this 23 season in college in the NFL, I think we got to be a little more open minded across the board. Right? Doesn't mean you have to agree. It doesn't mean you have to adopt that ideology, that way of thinking. 
but you can be open to listening, be opening, be open to hearing, and be open to thinking about an alternate outcome for whatever desired problem or situation or player you have in front of you. NFL. Let's just be open to the fact, what if Geno Smith is good? <laughs> what if he's good? What if after 10 years of being a journeyman quarterback, he landed in the spot that gave him the confidence to go out there and do what he does best? Because here's the thing about Geno Smith. Never was about the talent. He was a second-round pick for a reason. West Virginia, he could sling it and light him up with the best of them, but he's got to have the right system. He's got to have the right play call. He's got to have the right vibe. What if Geno Smith is just good? At 32 years old, he's just... It's like a he's like a uh, a younger Kirk Cousins, but kind of already old. You know what if Geno Smith is just around for another three four years, and we're doing the same thing with with Geno Smith that we do with another player in another position, Derrick Henry. We just we write him off every year. No way he can do it, right? And this goes back to what I said originally, right? Ah, uh, he's no, he's due regression. How? Why? Well, let's talk about the improvements that Seattle's made. Let's talk about he's due to maybe potentially be even better than he was last year because his two rookie tackles are now another year experience. Two rookie Pro Bowl tackles, right? You bring in another running back to complement Kenneth Walker. You bring in Jackson Smith and Jigba. You have a Will Disley and a Noah Fant. You still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. What about that situation screams he's going to be worse in 23 than he was in 22. Like, just from a basic football standpoint, what about their situation screams Geno Smith's going to be worse than what he was last year? Nothing. Outside of, well, he's been bad, right? What if he's good? What if? What if Daniel Jones is just good? What if he's good? What if he's just good in this system? What if it's just that? Maybe it's let's 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 even reel it back even some more. Let's be even more conservative. What if Geno is only good because he's in whatever system they're running in Seattle? And what if? What if? Right? What if Daniel Jones is only good because it's Brian Dayball in his system? All right, well, they're still there. They're, st they're there in those systems. So can you not just enjoy it? Can you not draft? Can you not watch with confidence that, all right, it's reasonable to assume that Daniel Jones may be a little bit better this year, right? Andrew Thomas, another year at, at, at left tackle. Evan Neal, their top Six pick, wherever they took him, he didn't play very well last year. This is another opportunity for him to improve. Year two, they bring in a Darren Waller. You bring back and you get Isaiah Hodgins in from the jump. You've got Darius Slayton back. You brought in Paris Campbell. What if, what if they're just good? What if those situations, what if those things that helped elevate the player, just imagine a world in which they kind of stay there and said player goes right back into that system. What if... What if, heaven forbid, Brock Purdy just continues to do what he does? It's funny. People don't even want to open their mind to, to, to a world in which a player that costs below what the potential outcome should cost, right? Let's say Brock is ready for week one, which a lot of people think he is and a lot of people think he won't be. But let's say he is healthy week one. And he's the starting quarterback for the 49ers week one. 49ers team that has George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, whom everyone says is going to break out in a big way this year. Team seems to believe in him. They picked up his fifth-year option, right? Debo Samuel, one of the players that should be primed for a little bit of a bounce back this season because he was so banged up last year. Elijah Mitchell, for the time being, is healthy to compliment Christian McCaffrey. Right? Kittle got weapons all over the place offensively. 
O-line, we've got to work on that, but everyone's O-line is not very good. But he falls back into that system with Kyle Shanahan. He's going to be good. He's probably going to at least be what he was last year, which was an efficient game manager plus from time to time. And what did that efficient game manager plus from time to time do for you last year? Well, he was a top 12 quarterback on average over his starts. Right? Am I saying that is a definite outcome? There's no doubt in my mind that Geno Smith is the truth, that Daniel Jones is locked in, that Brock Purdy is going to be the starter. Hell, I'll even take it another step because it's a player that I have said I am admittedly out on. I continue to draft him all the time in underdog. But Tua, let's imagine a world in which everybody that's afraid and panicked about Tua and the concussions, what if he doesn't get another one? What if he just keeps playing? He keeps throwing the Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, what you can acquire a Tua for right now is significantly less than what he should be priced if you knew there were no concussion problems, right? And you can play this game for every single quarterback. What if Fields gets better, right, as a passer? What if Matthew Stafford bounces back? What if Aaron Rodgers regains MVP form? I get it, I get it, I get it. But, 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 while we can say that for every player, you can caveat every player, you can qualify every player with that, there is still context that has to be applied. And where does the context come from? It comes from watching the game. And we know that every situation, while we can bring that question and propose that both sides of the fence for every player, we know that each situation isn't conducive for that outcome to probably take place. Therefore, it just goes down a little lower on the priority queue, right? Goes down a little lower on this is something that I really think could, could, could realistically happen, right? I can say, going to another extreme example, that Clayton Toon gets announced to start a week one because Kyler ain't ready and Colt McCoy's hurt. Sure, I can say what if he's just good. But if we had to put some odds on that, if we had to price that, the outcome would probably be like we're going to put that down the bottom. The probability of that happening is probably not high, right? If you want to take a late-round flyer, fine, but you're not putting any type of capital into that investment of a Clayton tune. So, Yes, you need to look at every situation. I think it's imperative for everybody to just be open-minded to look at every situation as a unique opportunity to evaluate talent for what we do in fantasy football. But inside that opportunity, you got to be cognizant of what's going down with the team. Got to be cognizant of what's going down with the game, the offensive changes, the defensive changes, the head coaching changes, the rule changes, all of that stuff. Right, the game. We'll talk a lot of just ball. I love this. I want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins to Tennessee. You know, I want to ask the question. Y'all know me. I asked the question. What if Nuke is a little cook? I mean, I don't personally think he is. Looked fine to me last year when he came back from being suspended. But what if? What if the reason why the market is so sort of not there? Because it doesn't appear as though it is. It seems like Hopkins is waiting for the market to heat up, and it's not that he's got all these offers and he's just parsing through it and taking his time. What if, he, what if he's lost a step or two? You know, the immediate, the immediate reaction that I saw from people and that I've even said, and I said it on the Underdog Show with Josh Norris the other day, is if Hopkins goes to lands in Tennessee, like what happens? Who does it? Who does it kill? Right? Who does it nuke? No pun intended. A lot of people said Traylon. A lot of people said Chico Conquo. What if? What if it's not? What if it's just he's just? What if, man? And some people may say that I know. Another real applicable example of this conversation coming to fruition and burning everybody in fantasy last year. Every la- everybody got burned. I got burned. 
You got burnt. We all we all were burnt by this player. New team, high flying offense. Just needed to get out of that dumpster fire, and now he's gonna he's gonna blow up. Thousand yards. They're gonna they're gonna have two thousand yard receivers this year. Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. And I remember before the season, I got to give him his props. My man, Damian Parson. My man, DP. He told us we were on a call, draft network, going through players, doing some shit. And he said, man, Allen Robinson is cooked. I don't think he's good anymore. Look at this. Here's the tape. Can't get off press. Can't do this. I don't think it was Chicago. I think it is Allen Robinson. I think he's cooked. Ah, DP, you're crazy. You're insane. Chicago was a dumpster fire. He's going to show everybody with Matt Stafford. Man, they couldn't couldn't wait to get rid of A-Rob. Couldn't wait. Burned everybody. I think it was like a fifth-round pick. Man, people were drafting him early, too. But nobody wanted to believe a world in which Allen Robinson just wasn't that dude anymore. Some people did. I wasn't one of them. But what if? What if Nuke just ain't that dude anymore? And you go out there and sell Traylon, you sell Chig, and really Nuke is just kind of out there pedestrian-like. There's a world. Again, I don't live in that world. I think Nuke is still Nuke. But I'm just not so quick to rush out and this is doom and gloom for Tennessee, for the Tennessee pass catchers, for Chig, for, for Traylon. We'll see. We'll see. That's the beauty of the game. But again, I'm cognizant. I'm aware that I don't know, right? Because I know that the game, ultimately, despite what the X's and O's say, despite what the data says, despite the play that's called, the randomness of the game, right? The luck of the a bounce, the the a drop pass, the tip pass, the game of inches, right? Al Pacino said it best in any given Sunday, game of inches. It truly is, right? It's unpredictable. It's fun. We talked about the unpredictability of college. El pros just as wild, right? Just as wild. That's what makes this thing fun. That's what makes this fun. Different viewpoints. Learning, understanding, engaging with the community, paying attention to all levels of sport, of football, high school, college, NFL, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Got the salary cap savants out there. There's so many different angles, so many different ways to do this. Strategy, best ball, lineup, buy, sell, value, production. So many different ways to go about this and to have fun. And I think the best part about all of this, everything that we do, everything that we talk about, talking about the ball, talking about the game, talking about fantasy, talking strategy, just talking about life, it's better in a community, right? You're listening to this, and if you're listening to this, it means you're kind of like, you're, you're a little bit, bit of a sicko, right? Fantasy football podcast on a, on a Saturday? That's all right, though. I'm crazy with you. I'm a sicko with you because I love watching it. I'm watching it on YouTube. I'm consuming it via pod. But but tap in with a community. And I go back to the community that, that Scott Fish and Ryan McDowell and company, everything with the Scott Fishbowl, what they're building and doing. And, again, if you're in the DFW area today, if you're listening to this in the morning and you can come out to Community Brewing Come out. Come be a part of the fantasy football community for all the bullshit that's out there, for all the crazy people, for all the folks that want to argue and, and do all of that, man. There's a lot of good folks out there that want to help, that want to just talk ball. I just want to enjoy uh, this little crazy thing that we do. There's a lot of other crazy stuff that we could be doing, but if the worst is listening and playing fantasy football, then I'll take that any day. So be a part of, of that community. Uh, jump into this one. For real. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. Come tap in to what we have going on. Everybody's so willing to help. Everybody's so accommodating. Get in a community. If this is what you want to do, get in one. Engage. Participate. It's a game changer. 
It's a game changer for some. It's a life changer. Lifelong friends have been met through this crazy game that we play. So as you go about Saturday, as you go about your week, stay locked into everything that we're doing over here. They tapped in. Training camp starts next week. We're going to have a lot of fun talking college ball, talking NFL, leaving the strategy to the Monday through Friday grind. Because when we get on here, we just vibes, baby. We just chilling. Just know that it's love from everybody from coast to coast, from anybody listening to this from, from around the world. I appreciate you. I love you. I thank you. You're my peoples, man. I rock with you. Thank you.